All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm going to pronunciate my words. We did a false take. Should we keep it in? Keep it in because I mumbled my. I was so excited to get to the get to the gut of it. You had asked if someone listening might be listening for the first time. Could be. And they could be considering going to the University of Texas at Austin. <laughs> Very personal guest it, on the did podcast. Did the podcast today. make you go to UT, JoJo? No, the film Boyhood did. Oh, great movie. You know, I watched the movie on my wedding day. I did not did know that. that. Was your wedding day 12 years long? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, we were in Palm Springs in August and there was a hailstorm and a flash flood. Wow. As though Jesus couldn't have made it any clearer. Yeah, that's good omens. No, but I'm sure. What did you do? What did you watch it like? We're not going to get into 11 it. 11 a.m. You watched it in the, the morning of your, yeah. in Palm Springs? Yeah, it was just like there was too much going on, you know? Did you golf? No, didn't golf. I golfed the day before that. We played Classic Club. It was pretty dope. Um, what what I'm referring to, of course, is Coach John Fields. The big dog. Today. Yeah. What is his nickname? We never got his nickname. I'm a, I'm just going to guess it's Champ. I've just been calling him Coach. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys. Thanks, Coach. You've been texting? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm jealous. Yeah. He hasn't texted me yet. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, his he's a hands-off kind of coach, so maybe that's his coaching for you. That's what he said. You know, he wants to get out of the way, Yeah. let my swing develop. Um, Before we make this too entertaining, I have to say a big thank you to one of my favorite partners that we have, this this uh, putter partner, if you will. Do you keep favorites? I keep favorites. Change my game. I can tell you my my favorite, my top three favorite partners are right now in order. Ketone, Abercrombie. Ketone IQ and Abercrombie, they're wonderful. But Lab Golf, honestly, they're just good guys. They're great guys. I can't wait to see them in a couple of weeks. Um, Sam is just, we're, we're literally cut from the same cloth, if not just the same cloth. Um, I keep uh, I keep seeing he's coming up on social a lot and you know he's a really interesting founder right he's got a real opinion about the paradigm of putting that's a lot of P's and O's and anyway uh, head over to labgolf.com slash remote dash fitting to get into lab golf here's the thing it's like a 30 second fitting process that's absolutely free you will not lose any money um, but you will shave strokes you will lose some strokes I swear I I struggled a bit with putting at Pebble you may have seen the film but can't blame the putter for that. Honestly, you made actually the a lot of the speed was good, and speed uh, was great. everyone struggled with putting. I would say that they support us. We were able to do the show because of Lab Golf, and it doesn't cost anything for you to go do a fitting. And if you've never done a putting fitting before, just go try it. Again, the link is in the description. Labgolf.com slash remote dash fitting. Anyway, thanks, Lab, and uh, thank you so much. University of Texas golf team. Thanks, Scotty Scheffler. Thanks, Jordan Spieth. Thanks, uh, Johnny Vegas. Thanks, Bo Hostler. We could go on and on. Dylan Fratelli. We, you know, we we uh, we're we're definitely Longhorns here. Eric, I'm going to get him his honorary degree. He's I've, been adopted into the fold. That is in my um, vision. I want to get an honorary, um, you know, real estate degree from <laughs> from UT. <laughs> Where do we start when you, you've done a lot of interviews, I'm sure. What's, what do you think is the best kind of place to look at your story from a, from a starting place? I mean, it depends on what you want to know. I, I, um, you know, for me, I grew up in, in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, my dad grew up in the depression, uh, grew up in Covington, Kentucky right across the river from Cincinnati, Ohio. And he dropped out of elementary school when he was like a 
fifth grade and because he needed to do work to keep the family doing what they did. And so he became a caddy and, um, he was a caddy at a country club in Cincinnati and he used to caddy for some of the Cincinnati Reds and, uh, he's had some funny stories, but Pete uh, Rose, no, no, this was during the depression a little bit before that. Yeah. So this is, Shoeless Joe Jackson era type stuff. <laughs> but anyway, um, anyway, uh, he always loved playing golf. He ended up um, getting his GED, joining the military during World War II, uh, was going to be a mechanic and then try to love flying. So he wanted to be a pilot. And they had a program if you were a non-commissioned officer to do that if he started as a mechanic so anyway long story short he got rheumatic fever then he got rheumatic heart ended up in montana going taking the crazy that my dad got like 80 percent disability from the united states government and the only thing he ever took was the uh gi bill mm. he, he wouldn't take disability because he didn't think he was disabled could have had that for the rest of his life. But right. He had never taken. So anyway, then he went to Silver City, New Mexico, got his degree and and a teaching certificate, became a teacher, uh, but always loved golf and, and introduced myself and my brothers to golf at, at New Mexico State in Las Cruces. And I ended up becoming really good friends with Bert Wimberly, who was the son of Herb Wimberly, who was the head golf coach and head golf pro at New Mexico State University. So this was in the 70s. And it's funny because I grew up with collegiate athletics because at the time, Lou Henson was the basketball coach at New Mexico State. Don Haskins was the head golf basketball coach at um, what became the University of Texas El Paso, but they won the national championship in 1966 in basketball when it was Texas Western. And then Bob King was the coach at New Mexico in Albuquerque. He ended up coaching Larry Bird at Indiana State. So why is that important? Because I grew up with collegiate athletics because in 1970 and 71, New Mexico State got to the Elite Eight in basketball. And then they got to the Final Four in 71. They lost both times to UCLA. UCLA had Lou Alcindor, who ended up being Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow. And that was in the middle of their 10 national championships in a row. And we just couldn't beat them. But when I was a little kid, we used to wear these buttons that said NMSU numero uno. And so I didn't know any better. I mean, we were in a small town, but this Rio Grande Corridor was a wealth of success in collegiate basketball. So my world was college athletics. We used to listen to NCAA basketball games on the loudspeaker in mm. elementary school. So I grew up with collegiate athletics and success and New Mexico State had a good golf team. And I always visioned myself once I started playing golf as a college golfer. And um, one thing led to another, I, I became a pretty good golfer, good enough to attract some attention from different colleges. Herb Wimberly, gave me an envelope one day in my senior year and he said this is a full scholarship to New Mexico State use it if you want to use it if you have to he said I know you kind of want to maybe leave Las Cruces so I went to the University of New Mexico 
instead in Albuquerque and uh, was on scholarship there, played college golf for four years. Tommy Armour III. TA3. TA3 was my teammate and roommate on the road. And then Kurt Byram, who's on the Golf Channel and, and Network TV now, as an as an analyst, um, uh, was was also my roommate. He was my roommate at home with Tom Byram, and so we had a really good golf team. And I always grew up with that kind of success, and and always believed, even though that we were in Albuquerque or Las Cruces, New Mexico, that that we could be successful. And uh, so I tried. Got married my senior year to my wife, Pearl, who we're still married. We just celebrate, celebrated our 43rd anniversary. But anyway, long story short, we, um, we gave it a go as professional golf. And uh, I, I qualified in La Manga, Spain for the PGA European Tour 1982. Played the entire year of 1983, uh, 27 tournaments in nine different countries, and we spent way more money than, than uh, we made. So I ended up in Southern Arizona as a golf professional and uh, was there for three and a half, almost four years, became a class A member of the PGA of America. And I thought I was gonna be a golf professional and had a chance to be a golf professional, a couple of different clubs. But then Dwayne Knight, who had been my coach at New Mexico, left to go to UNLV which left that open. And I had kept in touch with all of our donors. We had what was called the top 100 club at New Mexico. And, uh, they helped me get that job. And, uh, I was there for 10 years. We had quite a bit of success and it caught the attention of a f- few programs. I had a chance at Arizona state actually pulled my name out when I felt like I was going to be the number two guy. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, I had a chance to come to Texas. And the Lost Dodds brought us down here for an interview, and and uh, they put us up in a hotel downtown. My wife opened up the the windows in the morning, or opened up the shades in the morning, and she looked out and she saw Lake Austin, and she goes, "I don't care what you do, but I'm staying here." So that's how we got to Texas. So it seems like, you know, from what I hear, right, there was like a couple different versions of Coach Fields throughout the years. And then the whatever the universe yourself kind of landed in your spot. Sounds like not something you were planning on, right? Like you, you had different plans. You wanted to, you wanted to compete. Then you wanted to be like a teaching pro. It sounds like. Well, that's 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 a whole nother incredible funny story because when I was in Europe, uh, Pearl was my caddy. We were saving money, and she was. They called her Hawkeye because. The, because she could find my golf ball anywhere. <laughs> and uh, that was a good thing. But we were sitting around talking with the caddies one day, and there was this caddy named Silly Billy. And years ago, the caddies on both the PGA Tour and the European Tour were kind of pseudo-philosophers. Oh, really? You know? Yeah, they, they knew everything about everything. And this guy, Silly Billy... Uh, he was asking me one day, he said, what, what do you want to do with golf? And I'm like, well, I'd like to be really successful. My, my mind was like, I'm going to be really successful as a player and, and make some good money. And then what I'd like to do is, is uh, I'd like to give back and maybe give kids an opportunity that I didn't 
get when I was growing up. And he said, well, you better be careful with what you want or what you say because you might just get it. And I did because here I am. I'm, I, uh, we've had some success at golf. Some people say pretty good. Uh, financially, it's been pretty nice here at Texas and gotten better thanks to Chris Del Conte. And uh, beyond that, I've been able to give back to kids and, and give them a better opportunity than I had. So, so Silly Billy was right. Silly Billy, who knew how serious he was. Yeah. So like when you look, I think one of the interesting things like for this podcast, right? And, and for me personally, a lot of people listening and, and kind of one of the things I'm most interested in is like, how do you find your purpose? You know what I mean? Like we're all walking around and we think it's one thing and then all of a sudden that door's locked or there's a closet there. And then you just keep kind of going down the line and all of a sudden, you know, what you end up doing, I don't, I don't know what you have to do personally to keep, you know, going to find that right thing. But, you know, it's, it's kind of this question that I have ultimately where it's like, you know, finding that right thing, you kind of have to go through the other things and experience failure, I guess is what right, I'm saying. Right. For, for me, I did fail because I wanted to be a tour player first. I grew up in middle school what we called junior high at the time and then high school and then college and then beyond that i absolutely wanted to be a tour player i wanted to play this game for a living and we didn't make it i I got my chance so i got it out of my system but i i had a chance to do it and I, i wasn't good enough that's just all there is to it and but i stayed in the game because i love this game and and uh when I shifted gears into being a golf professional, giving lessons, opening up the shop, pulling out the carts, I just loved every bit of it. Interesting. And uh, why do you think? I don't know. I just, I just always loved this game, and I love the people that are in it. Yeah, I mean, ninety-nine point nine percent of the people that play this game do it for fun and enjoy it, and it's fun to be around people like that. All right, folks, a special note, drum roll, please, from, well, before I say it, I'm going to say the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, it's Price Picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform where you pick more or less on two to six players. And so what's cool is I'm going to go right now and I'm going to do tennis. Right, so Daniil Medvedev, 23 and a half total games. Is he going to play more or less? I, I would say I'm, I'm a more guy in general. Why would you choose less when you could have more, but especially for this kind of uh, entry? Oh, you know why? Maybe it's only two sets. And as you know, folks, Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. No, that's not where they pay you in tacos. It's where they pay you in dollars that can buy you tacos. So each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts selects player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So think about that. It's like a taco and a quarter. It's like a taco supreme. They've got Apple Pay and they make it easy deposits into your bank account this football season. So please go to prizepicks.com slash EAL show and use the code EAL show for a first deposit match of up to one hundred dollars so go to prizepicks.com slash eal show 
and use the code EAL show. If it sounds like I'm repeating myself, it's because I am, because I don't think you were listening the first time, or if you were, I thought it might benefit you if I read it again. So again, they're going to give you a first deposit match of up to $100. And how about a third time? <laughs> Go to pricepicks.com slash EAL show and use the code EAL show for a first deposit match of 100 For me, I think one of the things I've noticed, like, as we, as we mature, as we learn more, as we experience more, our relationship to circumstances changes, right? Our perspective changes around things like failure or whatever. And I've been watching a lot of tennis, right? And I, and I really like tennis. And one of the interesting things about tennis that it shares a similarity to golf, which is that you are exclusively responsible and your, your team, your coach, they are up there. You can't really absorb any technical, you know, knowledge from them during a match. And I watch the coaches, especially when a player is not performing to their best or their ability, even the coaches just seem so, it just seems so hard. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how you deal with all of your, you know, team members, team players, right? Like, how do you, how do you work your experience into their experience in a way that's beneficial for them mentally? Yeah. Well, somebody asked me once, you know, what's the most important thing for you, for your golf team? thinking that I was going to say winning, you know, but the truth is recruiting is the single most important thing that we do in collegiate athletics. So bottom line, if I recruit well, my wife's happy. If I recruit well, my boss is happy. If I recruit well, my alumni are happy. If I recruit, recruit well, my donors are happy. And, and, Obviously, that makes me happy. But the number one thing is recruiting. And so to answer your question, um, when we're recruiting, we're looking for a guy that has the makeup of a, of a winner. Mm. You know, So when you look at a guy like Jordan Spieth or Scotty Scheffler or Cody Gribble, uh, Dylan Fratelli, I'm talking about guys who are on the PGA Tour, Jonathan Vegas, um, Kramer Hickok, Bo Hostler, Gavin Hall. I mean, they all have a, a significant kind of makeup, but they all come with their own teacher these days. So mm. they come with their, their golf instructor, their swing coach comes with, they're kind of like part of our family. So I, I think I'm a good coach. And I can vision, I'm a golf professional by trade. I gave 3,000 golf lessons before I ever became a golf coach. And so I think my eyes are adept at picking things up, but I'm kind of big picture guy. Uh, their swing instructors are more dynamically into those guys' golf swings and, and their putting strokes and those sort of things. So we communicate with those guys. So the number one thing we try to do when we get a guy like a Spieth or a Scheffler or a Bo Hostler or uh, today it's Christian Moss or Brian Stark, we try never, ever, ever to get in the middle of the teacher and the player because if we do, you run the risk of, of uh, confusing that guy. Yeah. And my belief is, and you can see it on the PGA Tour, those guys sit kind of on the top of... Uh, pinnacle with their confidence 
they always want to stay on the right side of that. But you have uh, horrific circumstances like uh, Ian Baker Finch that just absolutely lost his game trying to become more than he was by changing his golf swing and doing something. Yeah. And he lost his confidence and he lost his uh, ability to play the same kind of golf. David Duvall, similar to that yeah. with, with regards to changing his body and trying to be something that he wasn't. Um, those are just too catastrophic. And we've had a couple of those examples uh, where guys have tried to be more than what they are. Uh, my good friend, uh, Kurt Byram, who's on the PGA Tour, um, I don't want to throw any, anybody under the bus, so I won't mention the, the teacher's name, um, but it was like poison with yeah. regards to changing that golf swing. Kurt won on the PGA Tour, had a two-year exemption, thought he was going to um, maybe become a major champion, so he thought he needed to change some things. Probably in reality, he didn't. And, and it put him on a path away from the game. Now, he landed nicely working yeah. with Ken Venturi uh, with his game and then uh, moving into TV and now being one of the lead analysts on network TV. Yeah, I mean, he was good at other things, too. Yeah. So, so when you're, I'm just so curious, like, because you're, you're basically describing the role of the coach as more or less uh, like an investor or a gambler, right? You're saying that that is the winning that is that is the entity that we are going to bet on our, our institution is going to invest in this player and really all we need to do now is just make sure that they remain confident and that they have the you know the the circumstances to you know gain confidence yeah. so so what is there is there something that you see either off course or on course that you're just like there it is that's that's the indescribable thing what is that look like yeah, so to answer your question, we went in tournament golf, in college golf, we can do anything that a caddy can do except carry the bag. <laughs> so we can walk with a player and we can, you know, help massage their anger or maybe help with their course management, any, any of those things we can do. And, and we do that. Um, but when I'm out recruiting, there, there are moments when, for instance, I can remember the first time I ever saw Jordan Spieth. Uh, he was in eighth grade. He was playing at Dornick Hills in, um, in Oklahoma, in Ardmore, Oklahoma. He's on the second hole. I watched him tee off, hits it down the fairway, makes par on the first hole, no big deal. Second hole, he misses it. It's par three, misses it a little bit right. And... He had this very difficult short, short-sighted shot. And uh, he ran it up to a couple inches, almost made the shot. And like just very few people on the planet could hit that shot. And he did it in eighth grade. And I'm like, I want that guy for sure. And then there's been others where... You saw him at 14 years old. Yeah. Yeah. How does that happen? Like, <laughs> yeah, how do like, you get there? Where did, who told you he existed? <laughs> People tell you, you know, it's amazing. Like for instance, I, I had a guy named, um, well, we had Cody Gribble, mm. but before him, we had this guy named Charlie Holland. They, that was kind of the Highland Park, uh, progression at Texas from high school. So we have this guy named Charlie Holland on our team, and he was an All-American, really good player. He's a banker, or he's in the title business now in, in uh, Dallas. But anyway, 
one day he was here and I said, Hey, Charlie, who's the next great player out of Dallas? He goes, coach, there's no question. There's this little seventh grader in Dallas named, um, Scotty Scheffler and he's working with Randy Smith and I'm telling you coach that guy's going to be great so I immediately started co uh, connecting with him sent him a questionnaire got the questionnaire back and it, it gets you all the information like name family school where you're going to school and then it tells you their teacher where they might be a member at a club or, or a, just a, a public golf course whatever high school coach all those things and then at the very bottom, it says schools you're interested in. And he goes, coach, I have no idea what schools I'm going to be interested. In. He writes this in a little note and he says, I'm in my, I'm going into eighth grade next year. I don't know what college I'm going to, but, but it came back like that. So I thought, well, heck, we're going to, I'm going to keep watching this guy. So, uh, we did, but that's how you, you know, in my world, just like you guys probably, we just ask questions all the time and try to find that guy. So Scotty comes to UT and then he, you have a swing instructor for him here. Or did he bring his swing instructor? Oh no, no. Him? Well, when I say bring it with him, he, he has him at home yeah. and can go home anytime. Anytime. And that was Randy Smith. Randy Smith's one of the top three teachers all time. One of the greats. Yes. Is there any point in his college career where the question is broached that he should have a more I don't know how to say it, fundamental, traditional golf swing. Well, that's a funny story too, because Chuck Cook, who's also one of the top five teachers all time, was Payne Stewart's teacher, teaches right here at UT Golf Club. One day we were in the back of the range, and this is not apropos to Scotty, it's actually about Jordan, because Jordan's left knee slid out, his elbows bent at impact where everybody else is straight, and Chuck Cook and I were sitting back there and, and uh, he goes, I'm so happy I never taught that guy. And I'm like, well, how could you say that, Chuck? I mean, this guy's going to be great. And he goes, there's no question I would have screwed that guy up because I would have tried to make him more traditional. And then you get a guy like Scotty Scheffler who is anything but traditional. And he's proved that if you own your own swing, if you if you're athletic like he is that kind of fits today's golf today's golf club you know the the titanium head with the driver the shafts the combinations of all that have allowed athleticism to come out on a more extensive basis in the game of golf so now you got guys hitting at 340 320 330 and they're 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 better athletes than they were 50 years ago. I'm not saying that that maybe didn't exist. It did, but the combination of the clubs and the ball, plus giving these guys the opportunity to be more creative. You know, I, I think that it has, it, it's the evolution of golf has, has been pretty awesome because it's, it's created more opportunities for these kind of athletes to come out. Scotty Scheffler is a really good athlete. He's a good basketball player. I mean, you got 20 college golf coaches watching him play basketball at Highland Park. <laughs> we were, I mean, you got to do what you got to do for recruiting. So we're out there watching him, I promise you. And so, we're getting ready to do it with some other kids right now. 
So going back to like the job of recruiting, right? Mm. If that if that's like priority one, number one. Scotty didn't write UT when he was eight years old. He didn't write Texas. How did you get him to arrive at that decision? Pretty much watched every golf shot he hit in the summertime uh, from eighth grade on. Developed a relationship. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, essentially what you're trying to do as a coach is you're, you're, you are trying to build that relationship. We're fortunate because when you get a chance to build a relationship with a guy, the guys that we've had on our team, they're, they're not only really, really good golfers, they're actually great people and their parents are sensational. And so it's, it's easy and enjoyable to go out there on a day by day basis and go watch them at us juniors or Western juniors or AJGA tournaments and, and, and really get to know, you know, like one of the things that I, I remember with Jordan, no matter where he was, he could be hitting golf balls and, and I was recruiting him and he would always stop, come back to the ropes and shake my hand and say, Hey, I'm glad you're here. And then go back to doing what he did. And I, that probably came from his dad and his mother because they were both collegiate athletes. And there was an appreciation for that, you know, and we got to be part of his journey. Yeah. Just for a year and a half. In Scotty's case, it was for four years. But getting to be a part of these guys lives and their history and their journey to being really really good on the pga tour has been fun but it's not just that i mean not everybody makes it yeah and so we've got great people in the banking business now we got great people in the insurance business real estate you name it they're doing it and we're proud we're as proud of them as we are the fun part for pearl and i though is the weekends are a blessing because every time we turn on the TV on a normal basis, the Texas Longhorns doing something special. Yeah. Is it, is the recruiting experience like, like it is in the movies? Like, do you show up like, are you kind of like sunglasses? Are you a hundred like, yards away? Yeah. Are you like, uh, my name's Riley. Do you, do you, do you like, what's that first meeting? Like, do you, do you put credence to that kind of? Well, fortunately we've had enough success where, most of these kids are tuned in. They, they know who we are when we walk up that first time. If you ask them, they'll, they would ask, tell you that it, it makes them nervous. Because, really? Yo, Having yeah. you there? Yeah. And it's not just me. It's other coaches. Um, Arizona State coach. Mike Holder was the most prolific coach. Um, yeah. He was the head golf coach at Oklahoma State. In my time, he was the most prolific. And he did have that kind of Darth Vader mentality where when he approached with the sunglasses and he he was the first guy to get out there and work really 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 hard as a recruiter and kind of became the model for all of us interesting he was relentless would you say ruthless or are you relentless whatever you want to say <laughs> i told you darth vader i heard that so so, so like at some point now, I'm curious to know, like, and, and maybe we can go to a quick ad break, but when we come back, I want to hear, maybe you don't want to answer it, but have there been any notable kind of, um, bidding wars? I mean, not, not a bidding war, but you know what I mean? Have there, has there been any moments where you're like, no, or, or I wish that had gone differently. Yeah. And, and how has the NIL affected that yeah. soon to come? Yeah. I mean, 
been stung many times where I thought a guy was going to come to Texas. Um, Mike Holder stung me, but I, I got him back a few times too. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's just a fact. And if, if you're going to recruit well, you, you've got to, at, at a minimum, think that we need to recruit five really good players and hope to get one. Wow. Out of the five. We're not going to hit it out of the park every time. I'd love to think that our program and myself is that adept at getting people. People think that. It's not that way. NIL today is just evolving. It is a part of our program. And uh, the, the, But the main thing is, is that you cannot induce, the NCAA will not al allow you to induce or try to get a commitment from a player by guaranteeing them NIL money. So today, if I was recruiting you, I would say, look, and plus we're what's called an equivalency sport, just so you know. So there's headcount sports in the NCAA and there's equivalency sports. Headcount sports are like football where you have 83, 80, 81, 85 scholarships. Those are all full scholarships. Okay. Equivalency sports is we have four and a half scholarships for men, six scholarships for women in division one golf. That's because of gender equity, but we have four and a half. So we can only have four and a half scholarships out at any one time. So at, at, as we dole those out, it has to add up to four and a half for the year. So I might come to you and say, look, you're, you're going to get 50% of a scholarship at Texas. And based on your stature, there are examples on our team right now that have been able to achieve a certain threshold with NIL financially that would that might be able to make up the balance of that scholarship. But I cannot guarantee you that yeah. because I don't run the collective and I can't tell you or or promise you that. A few schools have gotten in trouble because Coaches have promised and then not delivered. So, so is every school, every Division One school, essentially four and a half and six? Division One men's and women's college golf. The Division One men's is four and a half scholarship for every school, the equivalent of. And for women, they have six. In men's and women's tennis, men's tennis has four and a half, just like us. Women's, I think, has seven, and they are a headcount sport. Why that is, I don't know. Oh, so you get seven people. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't understand this. Like, why, why not just be like, do whatever you want to do? Well, that's the way it was in the fifties, <laughs> and that's why Texas dominated in football because he had unlimited scholarships at one time. It comes down to your and then bank account. What kind of your bank account? That's yeah. right, the university's bank account yeah. or your donors. And so Coach Royal at one time was able to just recruit, 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 right. and actually recruit players so that he didn't have to play against them. And Dave Williams Whoa. at the University of Houston, 15 national championships in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, he is partially one of the reasons why they started limiting scholarships <laughs> because Houston oil money, they had... 15, 20, 25 guys on scholarship at Houston, we can't do that. Right. So our, our normal group is about 10. Okay. 
and uh, and then it's split up amongst them. So when a player is being recruited, right? Like what what questions do they ask you that kind of surprise you over the years? Well, this gets back to the why. Why why would you come to Texas? So Texas golf is 97 years old. It has 98 PGA Tour victories. It has nine major championships and it has six major champions. Um, it has had success four national championships, 1971, 72, 2012, and 2022. If you want to be a tour player, which every guy that we recruit wants to be a tour player, you're kind of hedging your bet when you come to Texas because first of all, you get a great education. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Success is here. There is synergy at Texas and it's not just our program. It's every program. Uh, Chris Del Conte has done a great job at continuing to in, in, invigorate all the programs. Football's on the earth, on the edge right now of maybe incredible success. And then the fact that we're going into the SEC, but when it gets right back to the why, why you ask me why I do what I do, I didn't make it as a tour player. So if you came and played for me and you want to be a tour player, I'm going to get up every morning thinking about how am I going to get you to where you need to be to be a tour player. And I'm going to go to bed every night thinking the same thing. It all has to do with our recruiting. But the truth is, that's what we do. That's my why. I didn't make it. And I want you to make it. Simple. Whoa. So where are you taking your talents? You know, did that work? Are you going to Texas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going said, to talk to your mom and dad, and I'm going to tell. I'm going to try to sell your mom. That would actually be a great show. That'd be a great show. I would need one of those scholarships, though. So, <laughs> no, I uh, I have a GED. I didn't go to college, but um, that's really interesting. I love that your why kind of dovetails into your story and their story in a way that really seems like. Yeah, I mean, if I were hearing that, you know, that's. That's that's what I want to hear if I'm if I'm that good. I would tell you almost every guy on my team is way better golfer than I ever was. Yeah. No question about it. And then to have coached two number ones in the world, that's a gift. No question about it. For Pearl and I, uh, no other Division One golf coach in America has ever coached two number ones in America on the same golf team. <laughs> Yeah, now I mean, they didn't play together, but that's never ever happened before. And I'd love to take complete credit for that. But the truth is it's about here, yeah. really, when it comes right down to it. Well, we gotta go at a quick break, but uh, when we come back, I wanna hear a little more about that. Dollar Driver Club. Here's the thing about this, folks. RGC members, are you out there? I know you're listening. If you sign up for the annual membership with Dollar Driver Club, you will receive $50 off. What is Dollar Driver Club? Let me explain it to you. It's a driver membership where you can either upgrade your driver every year with their driver subscription, or if you're just looking to purchase some new irons or wedges for a price that I haven't seen anywhere else, they gray out the prices because they're literally illegal. It's like going to Vietnam to get the clubs, but they're real. So ultimately, there's a lot of perks and giveaways that come with the membership of Dollar Driver Club. They even told us they're doing a giveaway of a badass golf cart at the end of the year. Remember that? 
I do remember that. Yeah. And uh, for those of you, keep your eyes out for Mad Scramble Leg 2 when some of our friends at Dollar Driver Cup will be given some extra presents along the way. They're real people. They're from Austin. And you can use the unique code RGCXDDC, RGCXDDC, for $50 off the annual membership. And email their customer service and tell Tyler to get on the boat. We, we need to get back out on the boat. Yeah, it's, come on it's, the boat. it's boating season. Dude. Anyway, yeah, RGCXDDC, that's your code to get $50 off signing up for the annual membership with Dollar Driver Club. Thank you so much, Tyler, for your support of Random Golf Club. And thanks for making a cool golf brand. I have a ketone IQ story actually for you. What's your ketone IQ story? We shot the first episode of Keffer's Break 80 series. Oh my God. Powered by ketone IQ. Um, there were a lot of over-unders at the office about it. Yeah. I, I'm going to fucking spoil it. 8-0. It's crazy. He's never shot below an 82. 82 personal best. He goes hey, out. He shot his personal best? First episode of the, of the Break Ketone series. Why do you series. think that is? Two reasons. He had a wonderful caddy. Boom. I was with him every single step of the way. Were you hitting too? I, yeah, of course, because he had to be in the zone. So I, would, I was like, you know, fake hitting. Like yeah. I wasn't really playing the hole, but I'd hit a shot, make sure he was in the flow. And then two, I've never hit, seen anyone hit their driver more consistently than he did off of a ketone can. That was amazing. Did he do it ever in every tee? He did it for most of the tee shots. I, I told him to do it as a joke, and then he striped it. Do you think that's like conforming? I was going to ask... Do you think if you walked around with a little ketone bottle on tour, would they care? I mean, I mean, there's got to be rules surrounding the tea. Well, I don't know. I mean, Laura Davies just I makes it. I say Justin Thomas, Laura Davies is out here just turf teeing it left yeah. and right. Maybe there's a sponsorship option out there. No, the key, the ketone IQ, the ketone IQ. Right. Never get out of the game. Again, I, 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 I'm at a loss for words. You normally I can explain what it is on video, but ultimately. What is ketone IQ? Basically, ketones are what come from ketosis. It's what the whole keto diet's about. It's about intermittent starving. And what happens when you intermittent starve is that your brain starts to create... See, honestly, I don't even know. But like your brain starts to basically create um, ketones. Yeah. What I would say is ketone IQ is an energy supplicant. It's supplicant? A, supplicant? Supplicant. Supplicant. Supplement? Supplement. What's a supplicant? Supplicant is something you would do I instead like of a wrestling term. Or is that from Blade Runner? While he Googles it, ultimately, I take keto. I, the, I was taking a lot of ketone IQ on the Mad Scramble tour right before going out and speaking in front of the uh, the the attendees because it's like 120 people got to be dialed in, got to be focused, got to have clean, clear energy. Like I love ketone in the afternoon in place of a coffee. You got an answer? Huh? What supplicant? A supplicant is a person who requests or seeks something such as ex- assistance or employment or admission. <laughs> So maybe Lee, not really maybe Lee misused in the sentence. Yeah, we are supplicants to ketone. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, uh, I find ketone puts me in a flow state. And I uh, really love that. The flavor, interestingly, very an interesting flavor. Like, like not, not going to mix a drink with it. But I think that's what I like about it so much. Keffer said in his video at, um, in, the, in the Breaking Pebble Mineral, he said, you know, that's how you know it's working. Yeah, what I hate is when I drink something that's supposed to rehydrate me and it just tastes like sugar or something. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so this is a marketing tool. Like, this isn't actually make me feel better. Right. It's soda. No, th- this is like medicine. They're, they have no interest no. in making it taste good. They just want you to feel better, have lots of energy, and perform at your best, which Keffer did the first time he, he ever it. took it. He crushed it. 
but you can get 30% off your initial subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash RGC. Here's the thing. Get a couple, throw them in your golf brag. Golf brag? Throw them in your golf bag, and when you see, like, the Doritos make their way around the turn, like, skip it. Get a Ketone IQ and just watch your back nine catch on fire in a good way. Not a bad way. Not because ketone is flammable, which not we can't. Can. <laughs> ketone might be flammable, actually. Anyway, hbmn.com slash RGC. Big thanks to Michael and the team at Ketone for uh, for advertising on the show. Very much appreciated. All right, back to Coach Fields. When a player gives you their day one, right? They show up and it's day one. And then they leave. And they're out on their own. They, 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 they're going out into the open ocean of, of trying to make it on tour. What... What what have you seen that's been really profound for you in the time that you spent together? Yeah. So, so what I try to do as a coach beyond recruiting is I try to develop the best schedule that I can in America. So I want our schedule to be top one, two, three, four, or five at worst, which means we're going to play against the best players against the best coaches on the best golf courses against the best teams annually every tournament and so how like, much input do you have on that like are you yeah, talking to one, other colleges 100 you get yeah. to you decide whoever you want whenever you want it's my discretion but i wouldn't last very long if i dummy down our schedule i promise you because we recruit to our schedule again it gets back to everything's about recruiting but that schedule needs to be phenomenal and like, for instance, we started with Sahali this year. Uh, that was three weeks ago, or two weeks ago. And that that's a ma- major championship venue in, in uh, Seattle. We just played our tournament at Olympia Fields in, in Chicago, 2003 U.S. Open golf course. We're going to play the Colonial Collegiate Invitational. Now, Colonial is under construction with Gil Hans right now. They started right after the that into the tournament this last year and they're going to open for the tournament. Nobody will have ever played on it until that moment. Uh, but so we're going to play at Shady Oaks and then our fall schedule ends at Cypress point in the Schwab cup. So you can see for me, if I was a golf geek and I told you, you're going to get to play at Sahali, Olympia field, Shady Oaks, where Ben Hogan played and Cypress point on your schedule and the Big 12 championship uh, match play is at the clubs at Houston Oaks, which is an enchanting place, one of the top two or three golf courses in Texas. That's your fall schedule. And you're like, sign me up. I want to go. And, and it makes our team better. Yeah. What do you think is the most, let's say, hypothetically, Eric and I wanted to just make a show about UT golf, right? We wanted to come to one tournament or follow it around or follow a player. To you, what would that show, like what's the most interesting part of the of the day-to-day of what's going on? Uh, probably how we arrive at a tournament. Um, I always tell our guys, I'll, I'll question them, you know, like where, where would you play your best golf? Like mm-hmm. if, if you had any place you would want to go, and you had to play XYZ player, where would you want to go to yeah. play that player? Well, the answer is your home golf course, right? Because you've played it so many times. 
So the first thing is we get one practice round at every tournament that we play. So I tell them we have to be tuned in. We take the phones away because Gio Valiente, who wrote Fearless Golf, told me the greatest deterrent to success is a divided mind. So 2023, you don't get your phone for the next four hours. We actually, or five hours of practice round, we're going to be focused. Because you can't imagine how many hits they get on their phone in a five-hour period. And that does cause a divided mind. So take the phones away. And now it is our job to make that golf course in five hours our home golf course. So we're going to hit a lot of chips. We're going to hit a lot of bunker shots. We're going to hit a lot of putts. We're going to look at different parts of the green. We're going to put down these little plates for what we think are going to be the hole locations. We're going to putt to those. We're going to hit multiple drives off the tee. We're going to um, hit different shots into the greens. We're going to do everything we can in a five-hour period. And we're going to be moving fairly quickly. Ben Hogan said that on any practice round that you play, you're going to have some uncomfortable shots because you've not seen this golf course before. You don't know how far to hit it. And you might make a bad golf swing. So the other thing that we're educating our guys about is that doesn't mean that you've lost your golf swing. It just means that you're uncomfortable. So don't go, oh my God, I played great in qualifying and now I'm at the tournament and I can't find it. That's it's just uncomfortable. So what do you do? Then you go to the range and you get back to being comfortable and you might even visualize the hole that made you uncomfortable and hit the shots a few times to make it more like your home golf course. And then at the end of the day, after we've had probably a nice dinner, we're going to have a team meeting and we're going to go through our yardage books and we're going to question every guy on the team how they're going to play that particular hole. You're going to play that hole different than I am or, or than you are. You're, you're going to absolutely have a different vision. Like you may want to hit driver off that hole. Scotty Scheffler might want to hit a two iron off that hole because he's more comfortable doing that. We're going to listen to all those things. And the joy of that for me is that I'm not just listening to you at that point. I'm actually listening to Randy Smith, the teacher. I'm, I'm listening to Butch Harmon, maybe. Uh, I'm listening because you got that information somewhere, right? Mm. So we're all kind of combining and getting better together. And then tomorrow when we go out there, I can take a chill pill as a coach because at least we have a game plan. Yeah. That doesn't mean we're going to execute. These guys are 18 to 22 and they're not the finished product. But the other thing that we work on significantly and the balance of that is a Jordan Spieth or Scotty Scheffler like short game. Because if you possess that, you can be consistent. We're a human. We might hit it great three days out of four, but on that four, fourth day, it's not so good. But if I can chip it, if I can putt it, if I can wedge it, I can make up for whatever mistakes I've made that day or maybe my golf swing's just not working. But everything else is. So instead of shooting 72, I shoot 69 to go with my 67, 68, and 66, and I win the golf tournament because my short game's really good. So all those things is what we try to get organized. And there's kind of a compound effect in the, in the practice rounds during the year. I really enjoy those practice rounds. 
So can we shoot that show? Yeah, absolutely. If you ever want, I, to. I think I will say he, he would have to be there though. I will say we, we'd want him to be one, there. One potential benefit for you and for the team of shooting the show is that um, well, there's two things. One is, and you know, we've we've this is our almost 300th podcast, and we've obviously made more than three times that in videos and content. One of our partners is the PGA Tour. Look at me. I'm pitching myself here. But I will say there's something that occurs for us. Oh, you're talking about the bump? The bump. Yeah. So many, many times, I would say a majority of times, we've filmed with a lot of tour players. The best example I can come up with is Wyndham Clark. So we did a podcast with Wyndham Clark um, prior to the waste management where he went out on Thursday and he shot his career low. He shot a 60. And, you know, the day before, we just did a podcast where we talked about what? We talked about his why. We talked about why he plays golf and, and how we got into it. And obviously, you know, his personal story. talked about his mother mm-hmm. who uh, passed mm-hmm. away yeah. before her time. And, yeah. you know, how she told him to play with his full heart. And, you know, I, I really wasn't surprised when I saw him just like, you know, playing golf at, to his absolute best ability. So that's one side of it is that we, we do bring... You, you're going to give us a bump. We'll we give you a bump. We'll, oh, yeah. I mean, well, well, what we do is... And, we and I, by the way, I did get stung on Wyndham Clark by Oklahoma State. Ouch. Oh, it's not I too mean, late. You know, he, what could, a great, he could get his PhD. What a great kid. <laughs> we, yeah. So we're going to get him back for that. But, <laughs> but no, but I mean, it's, I don't really do anything. All I'm saying is similar to you, right? Like you're a recruiter. You say you don't really do anything, right? You just kind of create the space. You create the schedule. You create the environment of success. You create the embodiment of what success looks like. You deliver criteria to a bunch of 18 to 22 year old unfinished products. I feel like on some level we do the same thing, right? Is what we do is we just go out there and what do we do? We ask questions. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we do? We we try and understand why people are doing what they're doing. And I think by getting back into your purpose of why you're even here in the first place, it clears away all the BS, all of the discomfort, all the little cell phone hits that you talked about. So that's that's part one of my pitch. Part two. Tell them part two. Part two is I don't I mean, you know. I mean, imagine the, you. I know the, where you're going. We obviously bring a level of seriousness to the environment, right? We, we care. Sometimes these arms don't fit the furniture around us, but you know, we, we bring a level of seriousness that people are aware that their every step is being recorded. And I think that's sort of a precursor to life on tour, life at a match, life at a very serious event. All of a sudden there's three times as many people at this tournament. What's going on. Right. So just that's, that's my pitch. You could probably, uh, no, I think you, you would thoroughly enjoy it. Now this team, you know, it just makes me think about my team right now. Christian Moss is a sophomore from South Africa. He's like next. He's he's really really good. We've met but him. He's he's, he's really nice guy too. Him, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything we can do to keep his brain <laughs> focused because the world is his oyster right now. Yeah, I mean, he's made a couple cuts on the European tour. Everybody loves Christian Moss. And he just, he's a spectacular, part of the reason he came here was because Ernie Els visioned that this guy really is going to be good. I, I know Ernie Els. I've shook his hand. I've talked to him a little bit. He's not a donor or alumni or anything of Texas, but he told me, cause I was down in South Africa. He said, the reason he recommended that Christian come to Texas I didn't ask him to do this. This when he, I guess, when he found out it was between us and some other schools, 
I didn't talk to Ernie Els, and that would be a recruiting violation if I did. But really? I, I'm not going to pick up the phone and call Ernie Els and say, "Hey, tell Christian Moss to come to Texas." But what happened was is we'd had success with Dylan Fratelli right. and Brandon Stone, and I saw him. He came out and watched us um, at Seminole last okay. year, another great golf course in the Stevens Cup, and Christian was playing there, so he came out to watch him and I. I said, hey, it's great to, to meet you. Thanks for coming out, Ernie, or great to see you again because I'd met him before. And he was out there with his wife. And he said, you know, I, I really am glad he's there because at Texas. And he said, they asked me what I thought. And I said, you know, I've, some of our great players have gone to different schools. Your guys seem to get better. They don't always do that at other schools. So <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you. I didn't have to ask him to say that, and yeah. I and, and nobody told him to say that. But Dylan Fratelli's success and Brandon Stone's success gave us that opportunity. Yeah, Brandon Stone, great guy, awesome guy. I played with him in the uh, Scottish Open Pro Am the year after he won. Wow, yeah, that was cool. And I was just blown away by how personable the guy is. Yeah, and both him and Dylan intellectuals, and you know, yeah. I mean, UT, it's a good school. Yeah, biased, of course, yeah. but it's yeah. just a, it's just a great school. I also really like um on your team this year, Tommy. Yeah, he's a he's a sweetheart yeah. and a good player. I call him Timo. I mean, he's six foot nine. He's an unbelievable <laughs> talent. <laughs> That's right. I, I, you know, I use the, I use the analogy or whatever that he's, he's a hybrid of Ernie Els. Because mm. he's so big, er, Ernie's a giant, six three and a, he's almost six four. He's like Scotty in that regard, but the Big Easy is phenomenal. And Tommy's got serious talent. His hands are phenomenal. You know how they always used to say that he's got great hands for a big man, right? Well, he does. But I've had other players with great hands too. It doesn't matter what size you are. And and today with the golf club the way it is and the ball, a six foot nine player. We've we've had Phil Blackmar's up there and with our golf bags, but um he was six seven. They called him big on tour. Tommy's bigger. So we'll see. So I have a question. So, you know, obviously a lot of people have been talking about the mental game, right? Hmm? A lot of uh a lot of writing about how do you work with, you know, these you know, like I, I think about going back to like what we've learned over our lifetimes in terms of perspective and stuff like that. You know, you got, that's like 18 years old. That's a live wire, right? There's a lot of juice flowing through everything that's done. I think, you know, the, the general consensus is that, you know, you really want to try and dial it down during a golf match so that you can make as many good decisions as you can and not get too caught up in what should have happened or, or et cetera. But like, how do you work with their minds? How do you work with the mental game with these guys? I can remember sitting down with, with Scotty and talk, talking about compartmentalizing his life. And I told him, I said, I really believe you have unbelievable ability. But what you're going to need to be, what you're going to need to do in order to be a major champion, in order to have success on tour, is you're going to have to compartmentalize your life. So, and you have to be present when you're compartmentalizing meaning when you're at the golf course you're really at the golf course and i use the analogy like you're like a fighter in a ring you better put your hands up and you better be focused because that guy's over there on the other side is going to try to take your head off 
So that's the golf course. And I believe that you've got to be, in order to have success, you, you need two things. You need to be compartmentalized and you need to have balance in your life. Okay. So one, if I'm with my family, I real and I need to do this. Most people do. But a major champion like Jack Nicholas, and I use him as an example, was extremely good about compartmentalizing his life and still having success as a golfer. So when he's at the golf course, there's nothing more important than that right then and there. When he's with his family, there's nothing more important than that right then and there. When he's in his business, which was course design, there's nothing more important than that right then and there. So, you know, I always think about, um, I'm a movie guy, so I like movies, but do you remember City Slickers? Do you ever sure. watch? Remember Billy Crystal? I can't remember his name in the movie, but he, he asked Curly, he goes, Curly, what's the most important thing in life? And he had, he had like a rancher's glove on and he holds up the one and he goes, one thing. And he leaves him with that. He's like, well, what's the one thing? The point is, is that it's the one thing you're doing right now. So like if we're out on the trail with him, there's nothing more important. Get your mind here. Yeah. And it is. It's, and, and in golf, it's one shot at a time. That's it. And is it really the one shot? Or is it the meaning of the shot? Like, if I make this putt, I win the Masters, you know, this four-foot putt. Mm. If you're really compartmentalized, if you're really good, then you can disassociate the meaning of that putt from what it really is. Because now it's just a four-foot putt. And you've made 10,000 four-foot putts in your life. But if it's to win the Masters, and, oh my God, that's going to give me a five-year exemption on tour and $3 million and a lifetime blocker at Augusta. You know, if, if it's all about those things, can you imagine carrying all that weight? I call it baggage into that putt. Or do you have the freedom to leave all that behind and it's just a four foot putt. And I think the major champions are really good about being compartmentalized in their life. Like I think Jordan Spieth, and Annie will be great parents to their two children. Mm. Pretty awesome. Because they're just there. Yeah, with exactly. Them when, when there's, like he, he traveled this year, he bought Bubba Watson's um, van. He didn't drive it to tournaments, but it's there. And they put his own bed, the one that he has at his house, in that bus. They're not going to do it now, but they did it this last year, and he really enjoyed it. But it was to be more present with his family mm. and so that he could come off the golf course shut that down and go have the life with his wife and sammy his son and so i think that's part of our space as coaches here at texas because it is high value and there is a lot of pressure on our kids and they do internalize that and so what we're here to do is to try to help create balance and then we're also here to try to help them compartmentalize. Yeah. 
Wait, I have to ask then, because if you bring up a four-foot putt to win the Masters, yeah. So you're obviously watching on Sunday in April 2022. Scotty's on 18. Oof. Not to psychoanalyze, but what what's going through your head? He's already wrapped it up, but why do you think? Because you remember when he had a, I think he missed like a four-foot, and then like he was surprised because it almost felt like he was part of the moment and everything else. Do you remember this? Yeah, I think for for one moment, first of all, he knew he had a multiple shot lead. Yeah. But for one moment, he came outside of his concentration and his probably zone that he's in, because I think it's fair to say that he was in the zone for four days. Um, and that last day was borderline ridiculously spectacular because chipping in on three and and then making multiple great putts and and really putting on display his beyond world-class short game to the world. At that moment, what was in my mind is I played the PGA European Tour in 1983, and I got to see Seve Ballesteros. My wife and I used to, like if he was playing in the afternoon and, and I was playing in the morning, I would go out and watch him in the afternoon. And, and vice versa. If he was playing in the morning, I might go watch him warm up and then maybe play a few holes and then go get ready myself. I just thought he was the greatest artistic player in the world. And he was a master's champion at that time. So what was going on in my mind when Scotty Scheffler did that? I felt like if you believe in another life that Seve Ballesteros had jumped into Scotty's body and oh my God. Now you've got this hybrid player that is long, great ball striker with an unbelievable short game. He's number one in the world. But it, if you look at Seve and then you look at Scotty and you look at their chins and you look at their shoulders and then you look at their mannerisms, the way they hit shots and held shots off or release shots and come out of their footwork and all that stuff, I'm telling you, look at it. And if you believed in another lifetime and another chance, maybe. <laughs> wow. Reincarnated. <laughs> maybe. I'll, I'll tell you what, he's spectacular. I mean, they have the same sponsor. Nike could be, you know. I mean, Nike's been working on some new technology. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, like, personal, your own game, or the games of your players is there like a stick out moment right i'm thinking of i was standing on 17 at lacc when scotty hold out on saturday mm -hmm. and i mean i was like what the fuck just happened like yeah. how did he hold out from 170 right. 60 right. yards right. you know is there any like magical moment you're talking about magical moments is there anything that kind of sticks out for you like where you were just like that's impossible well you take the 2012 national championship Okay. So third day, second day, we were struggling. We weren't playing well. You can look up on the scoreboard right here and see uh, Jordan Spieth shot 79, Cody Gribble shot 79, mm. Dylan Fratelli shot 72, 73 from Vegas, and 71 from Hockula. But that put us like in, at the time, like 14th or 15th place. But that day, it's funny because Cody Gribble, had 
played poorly, shot 79. Jordan was in the middle of doing the same thing, but Cody's group was on the clock. And so he, it, it was kind of, he might get a two shot penalty. So I went into the scorer's tent or actually th there was a room at Riviera. So you got to go from nine, 18 green up this bank of steps. You've yeah. seen it. Oh, yeah. And I'm chasing up there. I get up there and I'm out, like out of breath. I was a lot bigger then than I am now. But anyway, I get up there and I'm fighting for Cody not to get this two shot penalty. Then I come out and I'm standing way above the 18th green. Dylan Fratelli is in the middle of the fairway. And he's with my assistant coach, Ryan Murphy, who's now our women's coach here at Texas and doing a great job. But anyway, Dylan's got an eight iron in. And I'm looking up like, oh my God, it would be so good if he make this shot because we've played so poorly today and we need something. And by make this shot, you mean like get it to six feet or something? No, I mean make this shot. Hole it. From it the fairway. Eight iron, it hits one bounce, boom, right in the hole. And I'm no like, way. oh my God, like you answered my prayer. <laughs> You're like, thank you. <laughs> no I did. Way. I did. I promise you. And then that same day, Tony Hockula on the most iconic hole at Riviera, on the same day, uh, hit a seven iron and made had a hole in one on number six at Riviera. Oh, wow. And then in the national championship match against Alabama, and here's a funny story. Jordan Spieth, we had told our guys, don't tell us who you want to play because it's President's Cup pairing in the NCAA championships. So if we're playing Alabama, um, if, if we're the lower seed, because we played better, they, they actually were the lower seed, but if we're the lower seed, then I can either pick first and, or to de defer. I can't remember exactly how it happened, but we told our players, don't tell us who you want to play because the coaching staff will figure that out best with analytics and all that stuff. And we'll figure out what's best for us. So. When it was clear we we're going to play Alabama in the final, Jordan comes to me and he goes, Coach, I know you told us, don't tell you who we want to play. And I'm not telling you who I want to play. But you know, I've been ranked number one or two with Dylan all year long. And at the end of the year, Justin Thomas wins the conference championship, the regional, and he, now he's the number one golfer in America. And he's the NCAA freshman of the year. But he said, Coach, I played that guy forever. And I have his number. And I'm like, okay, got it. And that is so, good information. Yeah. So and now, you knew at this point that they were childhood friends. Oh yeah. And so now they're on the 15th hole. Jordan's two up. 15th hole is a par four, about 490. They both hit good drives. There's it's a dog leg right hole. You have to avoid the bunker on the right on the tee, but they're both in the middle of the fairway. They both have four iron in. The pin's in the middle of the green, and the, there's a pitch on the right side of the green and a pitch on the left side. You probably remember this. And the, the pin's in the back middle of the green. Justin Thomas hits this dynamite four iron right at the flag. And I'm like, oh, my God, what a great shot. And it hits right behind the flag and stops 10 feet. Oh, wow. So if he makes birdie, he might go back to one down. Jordan hits four iron and decides to bring it in. He's super creative, bring it in from right to left because he can move the ball from left to right too, but he moves it from right to left. It hits on the right side of the green 
and it takes this slow approach towards the whole. And it was kind of like, again, a movie reference, Saving Private Ryan, when the German guy has got the knife in the guy's chest and he's going to kill him and he's looking in his eyes and the guy knows he's going to die. And he, he basically tells him just to relax and then he shoves it in his heart and kills him. That ball goes this slow approach and then it goes in the hole. <laughs> and Justin looks at him, he goes, nice effing shot. Because <laughs> now he's three down. Dormy. Yeah. And then he beats him on the next hole. Oh, wow. But to have that happen. So the blessing has been we have played this pro-am every Monday for the last X number of years with Jordan at Riviera. Scotty played with us last year, right after he won in Phoenix. He showed up on Monday morning because Scotty does what he says he's going to do. But anyway, every time we get to 15, Jordan takes a picture of the standard and sends it to Justin Thomas. And what's funny about that is that Justin doesn't take it anymore. He won't look at it. But then Jordan found a way to get it to other people to send to Justin where he did open it up. <laughs> They have fun. Send them like a yeah. telegram, yeah. like a like a official mail. Whatever, we're here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So those are the those are the three shots that really really stick out in my mind, and it's because they they resulted in a national championship. And right. and when I first got here, um, this is way more than you guys probably want to know, but George Hannon was at my. Um, introduction to texas and we were at barton creek and i was they they introduced me uh, to the media and to everybody and said this is going to be our next golf coach five coaches at texas so i'm the fifth and in 97 years so anyway george hannon who was the third coach was a teacher and in in retirement but he's a teacher at barton creek so i was walking into the locker room and he was walking out and he comes and shakes my hand he goes coach i'm glad you're here and uh he goes i think you're going to do really well and i think you're going to win a national championship here he said but you're going to need one thing and i'm like i i had his right hand so i took my left hand and i kind of pulled him closer i said what am i going to need coach and he goes you're going to need some luck and so when that happened in 2012, when those things happened, I'm like, okay. Because right. we've had some bad luck too, which was good luck for other teams. So like in 2016, when we lost the national championship to Oregon at Eugene Country Club, their home golf course, Bo Hostler tore up his shoulder coming down the stretch in the second round against USC. He was able to finish and win the match but he wasn't able to play the next day. That's bad, bad luck. Mm. 2019, we're about to win the national championship again. We beat Oklahoma in the morning. We beat Oklahoma State in the afternoon. We're not done till 8.30 at night. We've just spent 16 hours up and they come to me, we're having dinner. Stanford had finished three hours earlier and they said, coach, you're supposed to play at 2.30 tomorrow. I'm thinking, yeah, that's great. We're going to get some rest. And they say, well, there's this 
unbelievably catastrophic storm coming. We're going to have to play you guys at 6.45 tomorrow. I'm like, it's 9.15. we got a 20-minute drive to the hotel. We've just been up 16 hours playing golf, and we got to get up at 4.30 in the morning now. And the back nine, we just ran out of gas. That's bad luck. We've had good luck, and we've had bad luck, and we're 50-50 right now. <laughs> so... Because we've been in four finals. Yeah, 50-50 is doing pretty good. Not bad in this world today. Yeah. Anything else? Wow. I mean, the only other question I, that's been on my mind a lot is uh, what your ideal version of golf is. Is mm. it match play? Is it best ball? What do you enjoy watching? And, well, and what my, do you wish you saw more in college? Yeah. yeah. I, I like we're at, we're right where we're at right now. Uh, Bobby Jones in Down the Fairway said the best way to identify a champion in golf is 72 holes. So that's metal play. We went to match play because we wanted college golf to be more compelling that maybe someday we'd be on TV and we are now. And it's compelling because the audience that that's watching us can relate and can really get into the match. And that has created extensive opportunities for collegiate golf now both men and women it's like what has happened for baseball with the road to omaha and it is like what has happened for women's softball i don't watch the, either one of those that much during the year but i do i watch women's softball because it's compelling it's fun to watch i, I love it when texas is in there and they did get to a final Oklahoma's dominant right now, and everybody in this country that watches that knows that. But the bottom line is, is that we've done the same thing with golf, and now we have the road to Omni La Costa, and we're part of the fabric of collegiate golf now because we're going to host that championship. The rolling family that owns the Omni brand are philanthropists at Texas. We had hoped that San Diego State was going to host that if, if we pitched the idea. The NCAA liked it. So we're going to be at La Costa. Gil Hans is just finishing that golf course right now. But the reason we're hosting it is because the NCAA golf committee came back and said, we want it to be a neutral site. Well, San Diego State said, well, if we can't play it during the year, we don't want to host it. Because mm. we're, we're not going to put money into it if we're going to do that. So Chris Del Conte comes in at the last moment and says, you know what, we'll host it. So now we're hosting the national championship and I hope it goes forever at La Costa because it's great weather. Yeah. It's going to be a great golf course, 7,500 yards now Yeah, in a Canyon that has the reminiscence of LA country club and Riviera and Gil Hans added Barrancas. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we got a product and I'm praying what we can have then is iconic golf shops shots that are on tv and what i'm praying for someday is that ten thousand people are watching men's and women's college golf at the omni la costa because not only do you have great weather not only do you have a great golf course not only do you have a compelling product you got the san diego zoo you got um legoland you've got um sea world and you've got san diego and so you got perfect weather, the best weather in the world. And so I'm really excited about the future of college golf right now. It's exploded. 
Yeah. Well, I I think I'm speaking for both of us when I say we uh we'd love to be a small part of of getting y'all there as far as making the com- product as compelling as possible. So we really would love to shoot some kind of show about. Yeah. Let us know. And and do Use something because we could make something really special. Yeah, I think you'd have fun. Uh, it, you'd really have fun. I mean, we're going to be at Cypress Point. We're going to be. I mean, Houston Oaks is easy. It's right right down the road. Yeah. And that's a match play tournament, but it's fun. When is that? It's a Big 12 match play tournament. It's in two weeks. Three, Actually, October 9, 10, 9, 10, 11. Yeah. That, that place is enchanting. You know why? They have these oaks that are antebellum oaks that are... You know what an antebellum oak is? Is it like the one that's just like kind of like a weeping willow almost? No, it just means, means it was 1840s and earlier. Right. Oh, wow. Pre, Pre-Civil War. <laughs> and they are massive. And it is so enchanting. They, they came in and did this really cool kind of overall development. And it's Italian style architecture. And they've got the wood from the, some of these is from Michigan from this old farm. And it's, it's, I love it. All right. Well, All cool. Right. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Coach. Yeah. Cool. That was fantastic. Thank you, Jojo.